What is up, Aspire Leaders? Thank you so much for joining the podcast. And I just wanted to say, before we dive into this wonderful conversation with Charlie Peck on combating mental health in campuses, in the classrooms, I wanted to share with you just a quick strategy to boost your energy within the new year. So if you're anything like me, I work late and I get up early. And so as an education leader, my goal has always been to sustain energy throughout the day. So go, go, go rarely stop to eat. You're probably shaking your head. Yes, this is exactly what happened in my life or is currently happening. And, you know, we always go to sugary treats that are in the front office. We go to energy drinks or coffee. And for myself, I've traded all these options. And unfortunately, what happened was, you know, with those energy drinks chocked with chemicals, it made me feel extremely jittery throughout the afternoon and the evening. Um, Too much coffee um, gives me restless legs at night large amount of sugars makes me crash in the afternoon. And and so really, I'm always trying to find different ways to boost my energy. And as an administrator, as we know, we're making thousands of decisions and we're working through a lot of different problems um, throughout the day. So what I've done with my new routine started in 2023, but it's continued in 2024 is that I'm pairing my morning coffee with an alternative. And that is with Magic Mind, which is extremely small amount of liquid that's committed to high quality ingredients and they use the best supplies around the world. It sustains my energy not only in the morning, but in the afternoon. And of course, then I feel like I have enough to sustain working well into the evening. And like I said, it it makes me feel healthy. It's got all natural ingredients. It does have a small amount of caffeine, but I would highly suggest this for anyone. So if you're wanting to, you know, add this to your daily routine you can get up to 20% off of your purchase. So go to magicmind.com slash Aspire. That's the website. And then just punch in the code Aspire20 and you can get your 20% off. It's a little bit of liquid and a lot of energy throughout the day. So check this out. Um, Obviously, if you're uh, an Aspire leader, you've been with us and you're supporting the show, obviously helping um, our sponsors obviously is a benefit. And I just want to thank you not only for tuning in on YouTube and on podcast players, but then also for all of your many ways that you support the podcast, sending that out to friends, family, colleagues, numbers are getting higher. And I want to shout out a couple different countries here, Thailand, Poland, Australia, we're in the top 100 of podcasts, education podcasts. And so I just Thank those countries specifically, obviously the United States. I appreciate the support in different facets. So um, with that, we're going to bring on our wonderful guest, which is Charlie Peck. And we're going to talk about the mental health crisis and what we can do as leaders, but then also, you know, what we can do um, with our teachers combating that within the classroom. Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire to Lead where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. Welcome back, Inspire Leaders. I am so excited for my conversation today because I have a phenomenal educator, person, podcaster, author, speaker. She does it all. Charlie Peck, thank you so much for being on Aspire to Lead. I'm so glad to be here. You know I am, Josh. Thanks for having me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, I just had the pleasure of being on your phenomenal podcast, and it was so much fun to be on the other end of the microphone and to speak with you about mental health. And uh, I wanted to have you on as a guest to really focus on such a 
heavy topic, but one that's so important to so many educators across this country. And so before we do that, though, Charlie, will you just share a little bit about yourself, your educational and leadership background? Yes. I mean, I've been in education for over 20 years, K through 12, but I spent 18 years teaching high school. And in a short story here, instead of the principal route, I pulled out of there so that I could become a clinical therapist to really understand the structural issues going on with mental health in our school systems. So I became a clinical therapist and then still did a lot of leadership roles within the district and the school. And ultimately, I'm a school mental health consultant now and nationally working with schools so that we can equip teachers and school staff better. Yeah. That's the gist. Yeah. <laughs> that is the gist. And you do such a wonderful job with that. And I want to kind of talk about the why behind your work. I mean, obviously you made a shift and you know, a lot of people get to the point where you did, where you want to do something else. You want to be in leadership, but you don't know maybe where to go. Why did you choose the path of mental health? So many of my students were struggling and I actually got to teach my teenage students about how their adolescent brain works and develops and why they do what they do. And what that did is it opened up an opportunity for them to have a lot of forgiveness for themselves, a lot of self-awareness. And so there were so many transformations in the classes that I got to teach. I knew that I just had to do this on a larger scale. And I saw so many of them struggling and so many of my colleagues struggling. And I'm like, wait a minute. Why do we have so many people surrounding our students who love them, who care about them, but they're still really like in a crisis moment here? And, and this was way before COVID, by the way. Sure. So I, that's when I started thinking. I started teaching students more and more and leading them into the like research projects that were rich in discussion and learning. So I learned and I realized I just need to do this on a massive scale. And that's why I'm doing what I'm doing today. Well, and you just touched on it. The last couple of years have been really tough for everybody, students and for staff. And so mm -hmm. I really feel like in the last couple of years as a minister that more and more students were crying out. We're seeing some really intense behaviors as far as like self-harm or claims that they were going to do different things. So, you know, I really do feel like we're in a mental health crisis right now. So as far as your work, how are you helping schools battle, I don't know, like a crazy time with student experience uh, and how they're trying to deal with their emotions? Well, really, we have to simplify everything. So, you know, Josh, how crazy it can get when yeah. you're in the midst of all of these school initiatives and, and all of that going on. And what I found is simplifying has to happen when we're in the midst of chaos in any situation. I worked with kids in a crisis hospital. Mm. I mean, you want to talk about some severe crisis going on there. Yep. And I implemented simplicity there too. The tools that we have to utilize to keep things simple will actually help relieve the entire system. So the way that I'm actually doing that is equipping teachers first. So they have to have these skills. And it's based on the framework that Dr. Cameron Caswell and I came up with in our book, we were like, listen, we cannot have overhauls. We don't have time for that. Nobody has energy for that. Nobody has funding to do overhauls again. And you've already invested so much time and so many resources into the programs you already have, which is great. And by the way, we're teaching SCL to students. We've been doing that for 30 years. That's not yeah. working. It's great evidence-based information. It's not working. We're still in a crisis. So we came up with nine skills that just infuse into daily practice. And what we do is we, we do it in such a way in professional development sessions, Josh, where they can literally walk away and start using it. It's simple to implement. It's easy to remember, especially when, when we're in the midst of crisis, so that they can easily build proficiency. Yep. And if you look at the school community as a whole, Essentially, we're equipping everybody in that school community. We're equipping staff, 
parents and students with the same darn skills so that they're all using the same common language. And finally, to add to that piece is, is really huge because we need sustainability is we start with teachers because they're with kids first. But when we equip them, we are helping them to manage their own overwhelm too and essentially prevent it and not even get stuck in that negativity in the first place in that depleted feelings they have. And so we relieve the entire system, make them better advocates, make them better informants to the mental health team. And we have now a long-term sustainable plan that you don't have to go and grab big binders to reference later. You just know how to do it and you're doing it every day immediately to provide that relief. Yeah. I love it so much because I think one of the hurdles for us was just the amount of resources we had to address student mental health. And, you know, when you only have maybe one or two counselors on your campus and you only have a couple of administrators, it's hard because of time and the amount of people that you have to kind of lean on. So with your work, I know you're talking about like working with the teachers. Is there any other folks that you work with on the campus? A lot of school counselors, a lot of school-based social workers and instructional coaches. I'm, I'm doing a lot of training with them too, actually, because they're helping design what the classroom experience is like. And so what they, when they have those same tools, they can better communicate with teachers and help them infuse it into daily practice like it's intended to be. And the other piece there is the school-based social workers. It is is really important for them. They're, they have a great resource that like for the connection to the community is great for them. And they have a lot of skills, but look at their darn caseloads. I mean, it's actually impossible to really meet the needs of students the way we need to. And so many teachers are asking for mental health support too, and they're not getting it. So we designed this so that again, everybody has tools to manage their own overwhelm while effectively responding to student needs so that the entire system is looked after. School counselors too, by the way, we have a course that it's called the Certified School Mental Health Facilitator course. It was born out of me doing professional development and teaching these tools. And they're like, how do I get this? How do I get more of this? And there's only one of me. So they're now taking that training themselves. It's way more cost effective for their schools and their funding. And they actually become equipped themselves And I give them all the tools that they can actually start rolling out to their own schools and districts. So you know how it goes. It takes a long time to get here, but I'm working with those essential mental health team members at the school level. And this is K through 12. This can work like for any level. Yeah. Yeah. You had touched on your book and I'll have a link in the show notes and then also on joshtamper.com, but it's improving school mental health, the thriving school community solution. And I want to talk about some of the the tools that you teach with your teachers, right? So for those who are listening, maybe they want to provide this to their staff or to their teachers. What are some things that teachers can do tomorrow to help the mental health crisis within their classroom? So within themselves, because again, we've got to start with us. We got we got to feel okay because you know <laughs> yeah. a lot of us aren't in education, and leaders want to keep their teachers those rock star teachers in their buildings. So we teach people to think about the story spiral. So what story are we telling ourselves? Now, if you're a social worker, a therapist, school counselor, you already know about this language. When I'm doing a therapy session with somebody and they're struggling, we're talking about their negative thought patterns and shifting that, reframing. So everything we do reframes. So one of the tools we use is the story spiral. Well, our thoughts and our emotions and our actions are all linked. And so if we can catch ourselves, and there's techniques we do when we workshop this, but we can catch ourselves making 
that negative thought or that thought that's leading us down a, a story spiral that spirals us out of control sometimes for the rest of our day that we carry home and then show up the next day with, with all of that heavy weight. And so if we can just, and, and by the way, Josh, the story we tell ourselves about how someone spoke to us, how someone looked at us about, I'm so overwhelmed. I can't do anything. I can't function well, which we actually can um, when we're not stuck there. It's it's actually so important that we know where to unravel that story. It's it's where to do that. So we teach how to unravel that story so that we can just simply function better, function better at school and at home and in front of our kids. And we teach them to actually share that same language with students. Like when I'm in a story spiral, first of all, it's not even based on fact. I mean, it's typically a lie that we're telling ourselves. How many times you walk down the hall and you either get a look from someone or someone doesn't respond to you the way you, you think they should or, right? Like, oh my gosh, they're friends with me. Why didn't they even acknowledge me? Yep. Well, we internalize that immediately. Whereas that person is in their own head and has nothing to do with you. So it's about shifting, reframing, and um, equipping all of us with the tools to do that. That's just one. We have, again, nine different skills nine, and we, yeah. <laughs> we scaffold them and, and use them in different, different times. Yeah, that's awesome. And so... With the idea of like focusing on the teachers and their mental health, and then in turn, the teachers focusing on the student mental health. As a leader, I'm just thinking like, how do we embed that into the culture so that's just something that is a part of our everyday process versus sometimes I feel like mental health has this like negative stigma and, and oh, you know, just like push it down, get past it, get back in the classroom and start learning. And I, I just feel like change sometimes is difficult you know, with leadership. So like, what are you doing to help our school leaders to make sure that this is just a everyday occurrence and a part of their school culture? Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, I get rid of the buzzwords as most, like as best that I can. Yeah. So we've heard about resiliency so much We've and it's important, but we got to stop using all those buzzwords all the time because when we see those teachers roll their eyes, yep. we need to shift. And that happens a lot. Um, right. And trauma, trauma has been so used. Now I'm specialized in trauma, but I don't typically use that. So I think what we need to do is just get rid of all the fluff and just say, listen, this is about problem solving. Really, this is about problem solving. And when we work with leaders, they love that because how many problems come to them or especially assistant principals, how many problems about students come to them where they could be solved in the classroom? It could, yep. They can create a secure environment where kids actually want to stay in that environment. They, they won't misbehave as much. And teachers will actually be able to mitigate those within their own space. And then also they'll keep the student there so they're not missing out on more learning. So it's a whole systemic solution. And it's, if we look at it like, let's take that, let's, if you don't, if you're uncomfortable with the whole mental health, mental health, this is about solving problems. When I have a problem within myself, what simple tools do I have that I can use right now in this moment? There are things I teach in these workshops that take 10 seconds no more than 30 seconds to shift the entire energy of a staff meeting, of a classroom, of a pep rally, um, or within myself individually as I'm teaching if I need the shift. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. So I want to talk about just resources because you have 
a plethora of them. And so I want to touch on something that's free. I love providing that to my listeners. So uh, you have a school mental health audit, and I'd love to learn more about what that is. And then of course, like how they can implement that into their classroom or, or on the campus. Yeah. It's a 15 page document that I created going back to my years as a leader in the district with mental health and as a teacher and a part of the mental health team. It's like, what, how do we know what our strengths are? We have to work from strengths. So it's a checklist. So what are we doing well? And then where are the deficits? And then looking at like, okay, after all of this, what, what am I doing with my parent groups? What am I doing with referral systems? What's going on in our classrooms? Who are my people? Who are actually people I need to put out in front? So it's it's a simple, simple solution, of course. It's always got to be simple with us. And it's a checklist. And you go through it and identify the area of need. And you utilize your strengths to make one shift at a time. So I love it. If people just go to my website, thrivingeducator.org, and they wait a couple of seconds, it'll just pop up on the screen so that they can just access it. Something simple is, of course, something that we need more in our life. I think it's also good because a lot of times we don't even know where to start. I think the audit's a perfect way to begin as far as looking at your own environment and how you might be able to improve. The other component too is, you know, a lot of schools and I, I was the same as we're, we're seeing the problem, but we don't know what the solution is, right? Um, right. I love you talking about problem solving. So you provide a lot of PD to schools all the time. So if someone is listening right now and they want to bring you in to kind of help assist with the mental health crisis on their campus, how may they do that? And what PD do you provide? Yeah, it's always customized to what that need is, but mm -hmm. really what it always starts with that people always need. Are, I go, well, with two skills that I start with. One is the self-reflection where well, I talked about that story spiral. It's about learning how to unravel that story spiral and understand what's going on within ourselves so we can feel re-energized and show up to our students in a healthier, confident way. So that is one tool I would roll out first. The second one I would roll out is our social plasticity tool when we try to understand how to humanize our students better and develop that relationship and create a secure space for them. So I either do a 90 minute session. Sometimes it's virtual when it's just the 90 minutes or in person. Usually it's a half day or a full day, sometimes multi-day, but it's pretty simple. Um, and, and it always goes around what their needs are at the school or district. Of course, we have contracts we have to think about and we have to think about our timing, but there, there are options and I can customize that to people's needs. It's, a, it's really uh, beneficial to think about the group that has the most need. And then the next PD day that's coming up, how can I meet the needs of that group? Yeah. And I know you do multiple forms of PD because you also do the keynotes also. So mm -hmm. as far as a keynote address, I know that looks a little bit different. What is the topic for that PD session versus what you're doing kind of a workshop model half day? Right. So when I do my keynote, it's a welcome back keynote or it's a conference keynote and it's called Thriving Under Pressure. And it's to rejuvenate all of the educators in that space with me because we need it. And what we need more than anything is hope that we can actually yeah. get through this. And we can, I know we can, I've seen it happen and we absolutely have to have hope for the future of education. So that's what I do. And then I usually do a breakout session, a couple of breakout sessions typically where I actually give them the tools. So they walk away immediately knowing a couple of things that they can do. And what some of these tools address is not only managing my own overwhelm, but responding more effectively to challenging student behavior. Mm -hmm. So that is what the real need is. We actually have a mini course on that, that 
a lot of leaders give to certain teachers in the school, or sometimes they give it to all their teachers, because that's what teachers are really struggling with. And we want to keep those retention rates in order. We want to keep our teachers there energized. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that because it's the beginning of January here, 2024. A lot of folks are back in the building and they're not feeling that hope that you're talking about. And they're looking at the calendar right now and seeing less breaks and a lot more instructional time. And the student behavior seems to be increasing for a lot of teachers and, and administrators. So, you know, what is it that they can do to get them through the last component of the school year, but also keep their mental health in, in a, a good space? Yeah. You know what a lot of people do is they give the resource to the teacher in like a book study and they, yeah. and they're like, these are tools you can actually use. That's one of the the strategies people do as far as a resource goes. And it's really simple. We have a free book study kit for all that too. Like we're trying to help people get this information because it works, but give them the gift of, of value. Like let them know that they are valued and we want to look out for your mental health too. So if you're a leader right now and you're listening and you're interested in doing some PD, it doesn't have to be with me. Sorry. It doesn't have to be with me. Just let them know that you're going to give them professional development to help them manage their own overwhelm first. Because all of our professional development is about, like, let's make sure the kids have a better experience. Absolutely. We have to do that. But the better experience comes when we show up to that classroom or energize. It has to start with us. Absolutely. So give them that gift. Find PD if it's not through me. Find PD that will look out for their own mental health and wellness first. And the, the other thing is, Josh, and I think a lot of educators listening to this and leaders, when we used to sit in professional development and have mental health professionals come to us and talk with us, even though I really appreciated it, they didn't have a teacher lens. And so there was a disconnect there. And that's another piece here is that we've got to provide that teacher classroom experience to have the buy-in from your teachers sitting in your uh, professional development sessions. No, it's so true. There's a lot of folks that have never entered into a school before outside of PD, and, it, and it's hard to make that connection. So I love the fact that you have that experience to come in and, and to speak on that specifically from your own experiences and lens. And then also you had talked about just working with student behavior, and I, I would love to talk about tactics for that because I do think there's a, a lack of understanding with what you had said, and not to use the buzzword, but you know, trauma and things that have gone in the, the lives of the students, and then how that's translated into their behavior, and then how to address that, you know, in the, at the classroom level. So, you know, for those who are listening, maybe it's a teacher that wants to be a leader someday, like, what are some things that they can do to combat some of the, the behaviors that they're seeing in the classroom that are taken away from the instructional time? Yeah, I mean, always learning, always understanding, well, what the heck is trauma? Because it is a word we actually do need to use. We just have to be careful about when we're noticing people are like, I don't want to hear that word anymore. So let's dive in deeper. Sure. The brain, if we understand the brain body connection and why these kids have behaviors that are manifesting in our space that looks uncomfortable to us or even scary to us, imagine how it feels to them. And so a couple of things that I always say is, listen, if you do nothing else, if you do nothing else, ask yourself these two questions. Number one, say it to yourself as they're showing up in that discomfort. It's using their words or their behavior. I wonder, like, I wonder what's going on. Mm -hmm. I wonder what they were thinking right before that happened. I wonder what other kids are experiencing with this. I wonder what happened this morning before they got to school. So I wonder, just keeping that question. The other question is, what am I missing? 
Like, what am I missing here? And so when we ask ourselves those questions, we give space to that other person. It can be, you could be a leader right now giving space to your staff member who needs that from you too. But that's challenging student behavior. If we do those two, ask those two questions to ourselves, and then we ask the kid, we ask other teachers who actually work well with these students, we ask parents, we ask school counselors, administrators. I wonder, and what am I missing? Then we soften our approach. doesn't mean we let them get away with stuff. That's not what I'm saying. But we soften our approach to them, and they will want to share a space with us because they'll feel more secure over time when we're consistent with that. That's just a couple of little things to start with. It's more about being curious versus judgmental and asking what's going on. Well, you know, because of your background, Josh, you know that that's a trauma-informed approach. And so- right? That whole curiosity. And we can say that till we're blue in the face, but if we don't understand why we're doing it or actually that we are doing it and it can be effective, mm-hmm. then we're, we're not going to have the buy-in and it's not going to be effective. We have talked a lot of, about res- resources and I'm a huge fan of your podcast and I would be remiss not to at least state that and have you talk about it. So I, I love kind of hearing the origin story behind podcasts, mm-hmm. just me being a nerd. <laughs> so <laughs> why, why did you create it? And what was the need that you saw that, you know, your podcast helps in the educational space? Yeah. Well, I used to do a podcast called advancing humanity. And that was before I stepped out of teaching completely because everything I was teaching in the classroom was like, wow, I need to know more about that. So we can just be like, create a better world and and be a better, like teach kids to be better citizens, but how do we do that? So anyway, I did that, but it always came back to education. It always mm-hmm. came back to how we improve humanity through education. So when I actually started, I stepped completely out of my classroom and into this work of a consultant, I decided that we need to have people on the show only talking about how do we create a more thriving school community? How do we bring leaders and experts or people who are in the trenches now and bring their lens and their ideas to our leaders and our change makers, our innovators listening, that's the audience, who want to impact school mental health. And the reason it's school mental health is because we have to get laser focused on improving our school communities. Our kids are at home and they're at school. And we have a lot of work to do in our schools and we're trying, we really are, but we're still seeing problems there. So that's why. That's awesome. All right. So Charlie, I'm going to ask you a question that I ask all of my guests here, which is about actionable steps, because it's great for them to listen to all the wonderful things that you're speaking on. And obviously you're sharing so much wisdom, but I want them to do something after they are listening to the podcast. So if there's something to do to enhance your leadership journey tomorrow or next week, what would you recommend them do? When you have a decision to make, keep it simple. It might be in the moment when you're feeling chaotic it might be long-term. It might be something that will affect your whole life or what, you, what you're having for lunch. Something simple, big, or big. But, but keep it to two things. First, I want you to visualize two different paths. One is what don't you want and what do you want is the other path. Really simple. And this next move that I make, is it moving me towards the path of what I don't want or on the path of what I do want? And we actually have a poster, like we can hang that up in classrooms to remember, you know, remind teachers and kids to do this, but keep it simple and just, is this what I want or is this what I don't want? Keep it simple. I think that's the main tagline for today, yes. because this is, if you look at it at a grand scope, it, it probably seems overwhelming. 
because of the student body and the needs that are there. But everything that you've talked about as far as the resources, your PD, the strategies, that's the one thing I think that is underlying is it's simple. It's something yeah. that you can do tomorrow. And for those who are watching on YouTube, I'm going to put the link up here. So thrivingeducator.org, make sure you head there. Charlie's audit is in there. You get so many other resources. You got to talk about courses. Obviously there's links to your, your book, your podcast, all those different things that you're doing. And of course, to make it even simpler, I'm going to have it in the show notes and on my website, joshstamper.com. So make sure you head over there. And of course, I want to thank everyone that's watching on YouTube at Joshua Stamper or on the Teach Better team page as that community is growing. Charlie, I just wanted to ask you real quick for those who are listening. And, you know, we, we obviously talked about your website, but if they want to connect with you on social media, how may they do that? Well, they can go on X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> at, <laughs> at Charlie Peck, and that's C-H-A-R-L-E-P-E-C-K. Please connect with me there. You can just email me, charlie, C-H-A-R-L-E, at thrivingeducator.org. Awesome. Well, we'll have all those, like I said, links everywhere uh, for people to connect. And Charlie, I mean, I am... I just feel so fortunate to be connected with you. You do phenomenal work. You are a great speaker, educator, author. I mean, you do it all. And I know you're making a huge impact amongst so many educators and students across the country. And I, I just thank you not only for the work that you do, but just spend a little bit of time with me in the new year. Super excited about what's to come for you in, in 2024. Thank you so much, Josh. You guys, if you haven't listened to him on my podcast, he was an excellent, excellent guest too. So thank you, Josh. I truly appreciate you having me.